First Assembly of God is a church that is founded upon and believes in missions. Uh, now, this, just like all the others, we cannot get away from. This may not be a shouting service. It may not be something where somebody's going to jump up and down because we're giving money to missions. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. If we get away from missions, we're getting away from what God has called us to do in this place. Uh, just as much as if we quit loving people, just as much as if we quit preaching the word, just as much as if we quit uh, praying to God and interceding for the lost, if we get away from missions, our church is going to be shipwrecked. You're not fully convinced of that, are you? Missions is something that is, that is hard for us to do, is hard for us to give to, because it doesn't line up with this uh, instant gratification microwave society that we live in. Missions is something where you're going to invest now and see uh, the effects of it later. Good grief, is everybody sick in the house today? 14,000, everybody just cough at once and get it out. Lord, we just pray against the demon of coughiness right now. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Some of you want healed anyway, don't you? That's all right. It's, it's allergies, man. This, this springtime, welcome to it. So I had to ask the same three questions that I've been asking over the last few weeks. Number one, you know, uh, First Assembly of God, where, where church is found on missions, but what do outsiders say? Who do they say we are? Who do we say we are? And is there fruit to prove any of it? We talked about that at the very beginning, and, and that's kind of the approach that we've had here. And uh, people from the outside, they've come into the church, and if they're missions-minded at all, they walk in the door over here in the foyer, and they turn and they look at our wall where all of our missionaries are supported. And they go, wow, you guys, you guys serve a lot of missionaries here. You support a bunch of them. And there's excitement there, but then there's a lot of us that walk in and out of the door, we never even see them over there. But the outsiders that have come in, uh, that are missions-minded, have always been excited of what they've seen. Now this is something, missions is something that we, God forgive us, we, we've maybe not focused on as much as we should. We've had seasons where, uh, you know, we'll, we, we've focused on a lot. We've encouraged miss, missions, missions giving at the first of every month, all of those kinds of things. And, and, and we've kind of gotten away from it. But I, I thank God that we're still doing it. We maybe have gotten away from emphasizing it as much as we should, but we haven't gotten away from giving it. We've not dropped a bunch of missionaries because we decided we wanted a few new toys around the church. We got away from it a little bit because I know that this last June, it would, it's almost a year now, that Herb and Karen Johnson went through what they did. This is what woke me up. And I know I shared the story in August, I think, this last year. But Herb and Karen in June of last year, uh, missionaries in the Philippines were going to an ATM machine to see if, if the missions department had deposited the funds they need to buy a bunch of Bibles to do missions work. And they went and they checked. The money wasn't there. They turned around and walked away from the ATM and uh, some, some individuals saw them and thought, hey, Americans leaving the ATM, uh, that means money. So they chased them down, cornered them in an alley, and uh, the guy took out a machete and began to hack up uh, him and his wife, Herb and Karen. Uh, Karen was knocked unconscious instantly, and then, and then Herb was trying to defend her and to grab her purse, all their, their, their information, all of their identification, everything was in it, and the guy just started hacking at his arms to get the purse away almost cut his arm off. 
uh, and lost the use of both of his hands and is developing that and has had a lot of surgeries. Miraculous things have taken place through that. But that took place in June. I received an email about it from the district. I prayed for them. Pastor Mark was already gone at this point. And uh, I just prayed for them and kind of went on throughout the day. A lot of busyness and things going on. In July, I got another email, an update email of how they were doing. And it, was, it wasn't until that email that I looked at it and I thought, I wonder if we support these people. And I go out to my wall and lo and behold, I find Herb and Karen Johnson on our wall. I wept. I stood there in front of the wall and I just wept. And I said, God, forgive us for not even knowing who our missionaries are. And that is why, secondly, who do we say we are? Well, we're a church that supports missions. It wasn't in the questionnaire. It wasn't all that stuff. But it's something that's very clear that happens in our church. We focus on our missionaries. We have prayer for them weekly. That's why we started it, because of what happened with Herb and Karen. And I've talked to them on the phone. I've explained that to them. Can I tell you that we've, we've upped our support for them? They needed more money. They needed help as he's recovering. And we, we upped our support for them. But do you know that they were more excited about the weekly prayers than they were about the money? It excites me to know that when missionaries contact us, when Carla contacts them and says, hey, coming up next month, we're going to have a focused week of prayer for you and your family for these dates. Could you give us some information or specific prayer needs that you have or whatever? And you say, you know, please contact us. They are ecstatic and happy and excited to know that a church is going to focus prayer for them for a whole week. I thank God that we are a church that is concerned about our missions. And even though, we've not, uh, even though we have not maybe emphasized it as much over the last eight, nine years, however long, that our missions giving, our missions giving has stayed the same or increased over that period. We've not dropped anybody because we couldn't afford them. We, we're giving extra out of the general fund. Listen, church, these, these, uh, these things, these faith promises here that are in your bulletin, there's more up here. And later when we talk about this, if you are willing to pay in even more, <laughs> If you're currently not supporting missions, I support missions myself because as an AG minister, I'm required to, but I was doing it before I was an AG minister. And this year I've doubled my missions giving. I've picked up some people that I know personally that are in the mission field and I'm supporting them myself monthly. Listen, my friend, if we can increase our giving, there's a line of people waiting for support. I get contacted almost every week by one or more missionaries saying we need support. People from Indiana, people from our churches here in Indiana looking for support and need. And if we can increase our giving, then we'll be able to increase what we're giving out. The reason that we have so many on the board out there is because Pastor Allen couldn't say no. It's true. He understood what it meant when somebody called and said, I need help. He says, look, there's not a whole lot we can do. We can give you 20 or 30 a month. But listen, they got support and they appreciated whatever they could get. The goal of, of our board right now currently is to boost our giving to all the people that we support now from 20 to 30, at least up to $50 a person. So how many of us know the economy's changed a little bit over the last 30 years? <laughs> So we're going to try to support them a little more and then be able to take people on. Currently, we're giving out $611 more a month out of the general fund that is not covered through faith promises that we support. So if we, if we increase our faith promises, then we're able to support not only the ones that we're supporting now better, but we can support even more that are coming in that need help. 
We've talked about this with our new members class last week. We said that uh, missions is something that's for everybody and encourage them that every month to give something to missions. You say, well, that's okay, Pastor Bob. We say we do this. Is there fruit for it? Is there fruit for it? Well, in 2010, our BGMC giving, our children's missions work, our, our kids right now that are over there with Carla, uh, remember they would come through in, in the springtime and they have those little things and, and Carla played the video or the song, you know, anybody know what time it is? It's offering time. Remember that? Most of us were clapping and we liked it. We said we should do that for every offering. The money that they collect, the things that they dig out of the couches and pick up off the ground and find in the laundry room together uh, and with your support also with the Christmas trees, they uh, gave $2,500 last year to BGMC and was the D Division Three first place giver. Our church, for churches our size, the number one church giver to BGMC. In 2010, our Speed the Light giving was $5,000. We were second, tied for second in Division Three giving. Uh, I believe that was low because we were in transition, obviously. But the last couple of years, $8,000 plus was given by, to, to Speed the Light through our church. And we not only placed first in our division, we also placed fourth and like sixth in the whole state. Praise God for our little, our little church. Not only that, Pastor Sam and Amber over the last couple months have been focusing with our young people on Speed the Light giving. And they've raised just over the last couple months from teenagers. Everybody say teenagers. They raised two thousand, or oh, close to two thousand dollars, from teenagers over the last month or so. Now, what I'm excited about with that is when I was a youth pastor, most of our money came from you guys. We had a couple of teenagers that gave and gave extravagantly, but most of it came from the church. I praise God that they're learning and developing an attitude of giving and understanding that they're connecting themselves with missions. It excites me when I look at the fruit and I see it's taking place. Our WMs doing coins for the cause, $300 plus, missions project, $500. Our church's missions giving for 2010, home and foreign missions was $23,213. Indiana Advance, we gave $2,146.29. Indiana Advance is giving into church planting. Missions that churches, church plants are where more people are saved then in churches like this, they go out, they're evangelistic, they reach the lost, and we invest into that as well. Our total missions last year, all these things combined, that, we've, that money that we've put toward missions, was $33,712.85. And that is about 13 to 14% of our tithe and offering that's come in. You say, what's the big deal? The big deal of it is, is that it's recommended, rule of thumb, that a church should give at least 10% of their tithe and offering toward missions. But we're given over and above. We're given 13 to 14%. We're not going to sit back and say, I'm satisfied. I'm not going to say, sit back and say, that's good enough. Listen, church, any church that's given to missions is a church that's going to be growing and vibrant. We're going to talk about why in just a minute. But it's important for us to continue to give. More than that... What's not figured in in these numbers is that our church has always been a church that's been uh, saw missions to be important, not just across the sea, but also right out here on this street in October. Also down at the park this last Easter. Also, just a week or so ago, down here at the park for Pastor Sam and Amber with our youth outreach. Also, back in 08 when we did all the schools combined and Chad Varga came in. You remember all this stuff? We believe and always invest. You work, you show up, you work a game out here for a half hour, 45 minutes. Listen, I know how it feels to be Goliath and have little kids shooting stuff at you. 
I told Carla, I said, good grief, isn't there a better job you could give me to do? These little kids standing there mouthing nasty things at me and throwing stuff at my head. <laughs> Shooting stuff at me with a slingshot. Thanks, sis. But people dive in and give their money. They give hot dogs. They give candy. They show up. They set up. They tear down. They're cooking hot dogs and feeding hot cocoa to people. Listen, our church, this excites me. Our children are learning to give to missions in BGMC. Our youth are learning to give to missions in Speed the Light. And our adults continue to give to missions through our weekly giving. You say, why does that excite you? Turn to John 3.16 with me, if you would. It excites me because number one of four things, quickly this morning, is that missions is the heartbeat of the Father. This church has always given. This church has not only given to missions, but it has raised up missionaries. This church has not only given to missions, it has raised up pastors. It has raised up evangelists. And it is because of what's being taught at every age level. <laughs> I didn't expect a whole lot of amens. Because this is a sacrificial message. This isn't one of those messages where we instantly get warm and fuzzy because we gave $20 to missions. This is a message of sacrifice. This is something that is a little bit aspirational for us. We've always done it. It stayed steady or it's increased, but we need to do better in some areas. Amen? We need to do better in some areas. Amen? Some of y'all's coughing louder than you're saying amen. Come on. Missions is the heart of the Father. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. We've got to understand this morning that this is where our core values cross a little bit. For God so loved that He gave. And He did not send His Son, in the world to His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. You see, God was compelled by His love for lost people to send His Son. Missions is actually meaning someone being sent. Jesus was the very first missionary to us. He was sent to you and I so that He could proclaim the gospel of the love of the Father to us. And see, we can't throw out verse 18 where it talks about the fact that people must believe on Him to be saved and that they're only condemned if they don't believe on Him. You see, church, God sent His Son and we have to grab a hold of the heartbeat of our Father and go as He sends us. Now, I realize that you and I probably aren't going to go to Africa we're probably not going to go to China. We're not going to probably go to Bolivia or malaria or any other place. <laughs> Jesus Christ came willingly knowing that He was going to die for you and I. He came selflessly. He set aside His glory. He set aside everything so that He could come to us in human form, in a form and in a shape that we could see, understand, hear, and know, and follow. 
He gave it all up, folks. And there are missionaries all over the world today that have given it all up. They have invested everything so they can live in huts. They have invested everything so they can live in poverty. Why? Because somebody said go. Somebody was compelled by love for a nation, a city, a people, an ethnic group, a location where God said, I want to send you. And it was compelled by His love. And you see, when we line ourselves up with that, when we support somebody that has heard that call, when we know that an individual has received that upon themselves and they're going, and we have the opportunity to invest in them, we do it because we line ourselves up with the will of God. You see, God has not placed your finances in here, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. He's not placed the finances in your life to make your life comfortable. He's placed them in your life to invest them in the right places for His kingdom. You see, Peter said this to Jesus in Luke 18, verse 28. He said, we, we've left all. We've left all we had to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come eternal life. Those who capture the heart of God. Those who recognize the heart of God. These people are giving it all up to go and to face possibly death, discomfort, so that they can reach some people with the love of Christ. And their reward is going to be great someday. You and I, in this microwave instant gratification society, it is hard for us to take $20 and to put it in an envelope and put missions and we put $20 there and put it away and feel good about it because we don't get any gratification from that. We're probably not going to hear the stories. We're probably not going to see what happens. It's very rare that the missionary comes to our church, but they do come occasionally. And we might hear something. Listen, my friend, when you take money and you put it in the hands of a missionary, you're joining yourself together with the call of God to send that individual to that area out of love for the people that they're going to. You may not see immediate results, but can I tell you, when you invest in the kingdom of God, there are eternal rewards to be reaped someday. Well, that pastor's talking about money again. Listen, I don't see a dime of this money. Okay? I'm speaking on behalf of other people. This money, my fingers never touch. This money does not end up in my paycheck. This money, 100%, goes to people who need it. Our missionaries who know where they're going, who are willingly going out of love to the lost and are sacrificing their bodies, their time, their finances, and possibly at times their lives. Secondly, because it's the heart of the Father, missions must be community focused. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with the two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. 
I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. He said, Go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seen, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. This morning, Isaiah saw heaven opened up. He saw the seraphs. He was confronted by his own sinfulness. They touch a coal to his lips. He's changed. His sins atoned for. And then he's called. But when we start talking missions, it's real easy for us to think of a distant land across the ocean. Isaiah was called to his own people. He was sent, he was told to go, who will go for us? Here am I, Lord, send me. When where he was sent to was to his neighbors. He was sent to those that were in his community. He was sent to those around him. The message wasn't a pretty one. Go and tell them, because basically what he told him, he said, basically go and tell them so their eyes will be closed, their ears will be shut. In other words, God's saying, I know they're a hard people. I know they don't want to hear it. I know they don't want to listen to it. But out of my great mercy, I'm going to send you to tell them again so that their guilt is going to be upon themselves as they shut their ears and their eyes to what's truth and they're going to hide their face from it. Listen, my friends, we may live in a nation that is very churched. And some people are frustrated with our nation and they look at it and think, what's the point in speaking to people? They've heard it a thousand times. What's the point in going to them? They've heard it a thousand times. Nobody wants to hear this. Nobody, it's kind of hopeless. We just as well face and throw our money towards these other nations that are seeing great miracles and revivals because America's days of greatness are over and we're declining and declining. Listen to me, my friend. If Isaiah was called to go to a nation that was going to reject him and God knew they were going to reject him and he was still sent by love of God, to go and minister to them, you and I are called to our neighbors. Can I get an amen or a cough or something? (laughs) We're sent to our neighbors. I have a good friend right now uh, that is ministering. Well, he's actually the missionary I picked up myself, Jason Harshbarger, a friend of ours. He's been here. He spoke to our youth. And and, uh, he's ministering in Chi Alpha, Uh, at ISU. It's home missions. The important thing about Chi Alpha on our campuses in America is that we have people coming to America to college from every nation on the earth. And when an individual comes to ISU and they're there doing outreach and they're ministering to people from other nations, they bring their worldviews, they bring their religions with them, and these individuals are prayed up, they're prepared, they understand, they know, and they can dialogue with these individuals and introduce them to Jesus Christ. And many, many people have been saved on our college campuses and sent back home to their missions as missionaries to their own nation through our Chi Alpha missionaries. (laughs) This little church has even been uh, a mission field for other nations. We have foreign exchange students come over and come through our program. We've had three or four come through in the last six years. And in the process, we've ministered to every single one of them. Lynn Chin sticks out in my head the most. Sweet girl, love her to death. 
uh, come over here um, basically atheist, not knowing God, and, and then through the process of about five, six months in and out of our services and, and in and out of, of, of Terry Field's home where she's being ministered to and, and in and out of here, she finally, going through all of it, she gives her life to Christ and just absolutely changed. Joyful, different, ki- different kid, loved the Lord, and uh, it, it hit me really hard when she said, Pastor Bob, I want to address the youth tonight if I can because I'm getting ready to head back to China and when I get there, I'm going to have to find an underground church. It excites me to know that even when we share the gospel where we're at, that God can change lives all over the world. Right now, He's, he's looking at us and says, who, who, who will go for us? Who will go? Who's going to go to Covington High School or Fountain Central or Seeger or North Vermilion? Or Attica. Who's going to go to DHS? Who's going to go to Bismarck? Who's going to go to Westville? Who's going to go to these schools, teenager? Who's going to go for me? Adults, who's going to go to your workplace? Who's going to go into the community? He's called all of us to be missions-minded. And when I mean missions, I don't just mean putting money in an envelope and, and designating it for somewhere over the sea. I mean for us to live with an evangelistic heart in our minds, in our hearts, to see people and to recognize that they need Jesus and to love on them. This is who we are. I didn't figure I'd get a whole lot of shouting today, but, but this, is, this is who we are. And why is it exciting? Because it's the heartbeat of our Father. Thirdly, because it is the heartbeat, because missions is the heartbeat of our Father. Missions must be focused on the world as well. Jonah chapter 4, if you want to turn there, you can. Um, we all know that Jonah was a prophet. Those of you that know that song. Anybody watch Veggie Tales? Jonah, we know, heard from the Lord and God sent him to Nineveh to go into minister. And Jonah ran away, got on the boat, went to Tarshish, tried to go to Tarshish. And he's Tarshish. It's kind of a neat sounding word, isn't it? Tarshish. Sounds like I have a speech impediment. He's trying to go to Tarshish. And he's on the boat sleeping. We all know the winds and the waves come up and the people are freaking out. And they say, hey, why don't you pray to your God and maybe he'll, maybe he'll turn away this wrath. And then they cast lots to see who it is and the lot falls to Jonah. And eventually Jonah says, hey, just throw me in the water. It'll be okay. They throw him in the water. Everything dies down. They're like, hey. And then this giant fish eats him. And then the fish eats him and he's in there for three days, three nights in the belly of the fish crying out to God. How many of you when you're in the belly of fish will cry out to God? Hallelujah. Talk about a place of repentance. Jonah repented from the belly of hell. Scripture says that he cried out from Sheol, which means hell. He's in the belly of the fish crying out to God. And the belly puked. The fish pukes him up on land. And he goes, I guess I better go to Nineveh. How many of you would change your minds and repent if you get ate by a big fish? So he goes to Nineveh and he goes in there and he preaches to him and he preaches to him and then he leaves and he goes out and God repents and his, his uh, harm that was going to bring on them, the people repented and God didn't bring any harm on them. Do you know that when I was a little kid, in my mind, because I was a fearful little kid and I didn't like to be made fun of, I thought Jonah was running because he's afraid. But Jonah wasn't running because he's afraid. It's because he hated the Ninevites. So I hate those people. They deserve your wrath. Let's look at it. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? 
That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sinning calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. I'm sure he crossed his arms, too. There he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. He was still praying to God he would destroy him. The man went and preached to him. God repented of what he was going to do to him. And then Jonah, the great prophet, sits down and says, I'm just going to sit here, Lord, where it's close and I can see and watch your fire consume my enemies. What an attitude of love and mercy. And the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. How many of us know that God doesn't want us to be comfortable for too long? <laughs> Amen. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. and The sun blazed on Jonah's head so that it, he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? You see, because missions is the heart of Father God, we have to remember that it is for the world. And when we look at the world in a political mindset, there's a lot of hate. <clears throat> there's a lot of people that hate us. And if we were really honest with ourselves today, there's a lot of people that America hates. Jonah was sent to people that hated Israel. Nineveh was a part of a Syrian nation. They were brutal. They were mean. They were wicked. They were godless. And Jonah ran from God because he felt that they didn't deserve his mercy. And he thought, if I run from God, then God can't use me to send his mercy to these people. So I'm going to run away from him. Jonah was selective in who he thought deserved the love of God. You all see where I'm going with this? You see here in America today, if we look at things politically, we would look at the Muslim nations and say that they probably don't need the gospel. They deserve wrath. But see, Jesus Christ was called and sent for even the very people that pierced him. But we were attacked on 9-11, Pastor Bob. Yes, we were. And it was a miserable, horrible day. It's a horrible day in American history. I'm not saying we shouldn't defend ourselves as a nation. But I'm saying as a church, as people that are believers, we are not to look at any culture, any people, and say that they're not worthy of the love of Christ. Ever. And missions provides an avenue for us to minister to those people. We cannot have the heart of Jonah who looked at a group of people and had minimized them so much in his mind that he looked at them much like the Nazis looked at the Jews in World War II. These people here are worthless, God, and they need to die. Ouch. You see, God corrected his heart by saying this. He says, Jonah, you love this, basically what he said, 
you love this plant more than you love these people. You had nothing to do with it. You were happy. You were comfortable. You love this plant more than you love these people. You were concerned about this thing. Why shouldn't I be concerned about living eternal souls that do not know me? You see, Jonah had obeyed God, but he never really tapped into the heart of the Father knowing and understanding what the mission was he was called to do. We in America are so comfortable. We sit under this little weed that we had grow up over us, and we didn't do anything to get it. It's here today and gone tomorrow. How many of us know that our comforts, our luxuries, our money, our finances, our jobs are here today and gone tomorrow? This body that we think is so precious is here today and gone tomorrow. Life is but a vapor. It passes by quickly. I can't believe I just went to a 20-year class reunion. Who would have ever thunk it? I can't believe it. And I know many in this room have said 20 years. Gee, it's been longer for me. And how many of us know it all flies by? I say for this reason and this reason only. If you have the finances today to invest in the missions, invest it while you have it because that's why God put it in your hands. Not to make your life comfortable. But Pastor Bob, I got the money today. I can get a bigger television. Nicer car, nicer couch, nicer home. Listen, those things are okay to an extent, but if it becomes our God and we wrap all of our money and our finances up in ourselves and we throw a few dollars at missionaries and say, there, Lord, I'm doing your will, are we really? God has called us to be sacrificial. I've doubled my missions giving, as I said. It's getting to a point where it's a little bit sacrificial for me. Why? Because I'm understanding more and more and more the heart of God. And that when he invests in us, he expects, expects us to invest in others. It's not about us, is it, people? It really isn't. And in America, we're so blessed. And it's hard to scrounge up money for things. Well, I didn't have money for this. I understand times can be hard. But even the woman with the might, when she gave it, gave every penny she had. And she gave more than everybody else. My friend, I'm challenging you today. Obviously, if you're not giving to missions, to begin giving. If you are giving, maybe try boosting a little bit. Because the money is going to our missionaries. And it is changing lives. Lastly, fourthly and lastly this morning, I need to hurry. Because missions is the heart of the Father, it's the responsibility for all believers. Matthew 28 says this, verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Mark 16, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And those signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. You say, yeah, Pastor Bob, it's a great commission. We've heard it a thousand times. It's, it's real easy to hear something thousands of times and really for it to lose its impact in our lives. This is what God has called us to. To not only go ourselves to our community, but to help send those who will go. And we cannot get lost 
and cannot lose sight of this calling. Acts 1.6 says, So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Listen, church, this morning and lastly as we close this out, you and I cannot get lost and start thinking about things that are going on around us and we want to know, Lord, okay, we're saved, we're comfortable, everything's happy, my wife's saved, my kids are saved, Lord, then, then so we just need to be comfortable. When is it that you're going to come and restore the kingdom for me? He said, listen, it's not for you to worry about the times and dates of all that stuff. I'm going to do you with power to do my will. God did not call us, church, to sit back and wait for the rapture. And if that guy would have read that verse a couple of weeks ago, it would have helped him out a whole lot. It's not for us to know the times or dates. Listen, God never intended for us to sit under a vine and be happy and watch the whole world go to hell like Jonah. Lord, I'm going to sit here and wait for you now to see what you do in your timing to destroy these people. Listen, my friends. If you truly love God, if you truly believe in this word right here, if you're compelled by love for individuals, you need to give to missions. You need to give to missions. And every month, I'm going to remind you of this. Every month, first Sunday of every month is officially Mission Sunday. And we're going to give. This morning at the close of our other service, this verse came to my mind. James 2.14, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, but you warmed, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Listen, you say, what's the point of that? The point of that is I get a phone call at least once a week from a missionary with needs. At least once a week. I talk to them on the phone. I explain to them the vision of our board and myself currently in our mission situation and the funds that we have, trying to be a good steward and be responsible with what we have. They say, I understand. I let them know we'll pray for them. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. But according to that scripture... For me to tell them to go away fed and to be warm and go away and be blessed and we'll be praying that you get your finances and do nothing, it's not profiting anybody anything. It's not profiting them and it's not profiting me. Does that make sense? Am I beating you over the head because I think you're not doing it? That's not what I'm saying. You heard me talk about what God's doing in our missions work. But I'm telling you, you want a place to invest. It's the worthy place to do it. Missions giving is above and beyond your tithe. That little pamphlet that's in the bulletin, I encourage you to read it. It explains all of that. This morning, we're going to take communion together. And as we take communion, I want you to be mindful and prayerful and consider what you're doing for missions now if you want to increase it. If you're not giving to missions now, I challenge you to make a small weekly or monthly donation to where you're going to do that once a month or once a week, however you want to do it. I challenge you to do it. And if you do it, God's going to bless it. It's going to bring fruit in the lives of our missionaries. And I even dare say that you might receive some blessing as well.
So this morning, we're going to line ourselves up with the, the will of God and Him having sent His Son, because of being compelled by love to send His Son. We're going to consider that as we take communion together.